from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to Edge the Edges, and today we have a very special guest, State Representative Shelley Hutchinson. Shelley, please say hi to the crowd. Hi, hi, crowd. How are you? I'm Shelly Hutchinson, and I'm state representative for House District 107. Awesome, awesome. So as we all know, here on Edge the Edges, the effort is to try to close the ideological divide by having common everyday conversations with people in power and those not in power. Because the point is, the truth is in the stories. Having some understanding and getting to know people, getting familiar. And I'll tell you guys right now, I think we have something really special here because I really wanted to invite Shelly after... I saw her on a local town hall after the state's last session. And this kind of goes deep into the ideological differences. Shelly, I think it would be safe to say that you were just a little bit more than frustrated. Is that fair? <laughs> just slightly more frustrated, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we have to talk about these things because it's the only way we'll eventually, hopefully, prayerfully, work our way towards common ground and make decisions that benefit all of us as opposed to a decision that only benefits a select few. That's not what it's about. And to be quite clear, that's not American. So we wanna make sure we change that fact. So as we walk our way up to that point, Shirley, please, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Because the truth is we all know politics is truly local. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't get involved in local politics, hence the need to talk to someone wonderful like you. So Shirley, I'm gonna throw the mic your way. Please introduce yourself, tell us about your background and how do you get to this point? God, that's a, that might be a book. Um, so I am originally from New Orleans. I was born and raised in New Orleans. I graduated um, undergrad from LSU and I moved to Atlanta um, because my undergraduate degree was in um, criminal justice. And you know, that's um, a super marketable bachelor's degree. So my first job was um, DFACS in Atlanta. Uh, Fulton County. So um, working that job, I was given the opportunity to get a grant to um, get my master's degree in social work. So of course, you know, free education, I was first person sign up. So I got my master's degree um, the same year I had my first child. So um, I didn't want to work a nine to five job because you know, I was a new mom. So I started a business called the Social Empowerment Center and we do social services, mental health. Um, so that was in 2000. And um, now we have, uh, I have about 
anywhere between 65 and 70 employees. And we serve about a 13 county area doing outpatient uh, mental health treatment. We do a lot in the home. We do, we're um, community providers. So we go in people's houses to do mental health, which is uh, never ever boring. And um, I've been doing that for, well, if you count prior to get my master's degree, I've been in social services since um, 1993. Um, so fast forward, two kids, um, married, living in Gwinnett County. And if you just fast forward all the way to 2016, um, November 2016, I woke up and um, Trump was president-elect. Mm -hmm. And I thought, um, and prior to that, I was teaching at UGA. I was teaching in the School of Social Work. And I just remember all of my students really, really nervous and anxious about the um, election in 2016. And I told them that I did not believe there's no part of my being that thought that um, enough people in this country would endorse Trump, that he would be president. And of course, you know, I was taking that back in November of 2016. And uh, I just remember the, the day after the election, I had to teach. And in my class, in the first class that I taught, there were two boxes of Kleenex just circling around the, the, the class because everybody, everybody was in tears. Oh. So I thought, um, and I disconnected. I had, I had to get, I had to get off of all social media. I missed the women's march because that was all done on social media. Right. Um, but I just could not. I could, I just couldn't do it. I had to, I had to retreat and think and process what happened. And I thought, you know, I, I need to do more. I thought I was a active person. I paid attention. I donated to campaigns. I voted. So I, I considered myself an active person in politics, but. I realized then I wasn't as active as I should have been um, because that should have can, never happened. Can we pause right there before you continue, Shirley? Because I think you, you mm -hmm. hit on something that I think is worth sharing. Personal anecdote, on the morning of Trump's ascension, I got up and similar to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I thought I was active. You know, um, I donated, I voted, I didn't miss a vote. I always vote according to what I call a critical thinkers process as opposed to a party process because my mm -hmm. vote is beholden to no one. You have to earn it. And I mm -hmm. vote based upon the information that I provide that, that's provided. And I, and I think about it, I consider it for myself, my family, and my community. And Trump didn't have any policy positions stated on his webpage beyond videos. I thought that was powerfully interesting and something that I share with my friends who are, who are Republicans. And I said, you know, he's. He's got no paperwork out there. The man is known to not read. But the point that I wanted to make in the pause was, you said your classroom was so visibly upset. I talk about how my daughter woke up that morning crying, saying she was afraid her friends were gonna get deported. That's a hell of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask you if you could just share a little bit with you know your experience with what your, your students were saying, because the first thing folks on the other side of the divide often say was, well, he was just our guy. We wanted something different. Why are you people so upset anyway? Can you tell us? Well, these are the things that we're upset about. This is why right. we're crying. So um, a lot of, well, we have a lot of students at UGA that are international. Um, and almost immediately, the students that were international were thinking, I, I'm going to have to go back home. Um, I remember most vividly, I have, I had an Iranian student um, who was here on a visa and she was hysterical. I mean, she could not be calmed down. Um, 
and with with good reason because it was shortly after that that he announced the uh, the Muslim ban, and Iran was on the list. So she was um, she was upset the day after he was elected, and she, the the more time went on, um, and he was uh, he was sworn into office, and his first policy was to send people back home. So um, all of their fears were realized. Uh, we had and and in my in my practice at, at work, we had um, a lot of clients that we see that are undocumented. Um, it's just, it's the nature of working in public mental health. And all of those kids and families were in crisis. All, uh, we were so, so busy the first year um, of Trump's presidency. I mean, we had, to, we had to hire help. We had to go into schools in Gwinnett County. There, the day after he was elected, there was a, a student that, um, his teacher was Muslim and he had a great relationship with the teacher. No one ever had any problems with the kid or with this or the teacher before. And the day after he was elected, he wrote her a note that said, um, go back to your country or I'm gonna hang you with your scarf. Wow, I had not heard that. Wow. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was Gwinnett County. So, you know, at that point, everybody was in crisis and everybody was um, taking stock of what to do next. And uh, so mine was, I, um, I didn't know who my representative was. I mean, I knew his name, but I never saw him ever at any function, event, on the news, making news, making policy, making legislation, nothing. And he'd, be, he'd been our representative for 16 years, 16 years. And my neighbors didn't know who he was. Um, I even called Gwinnett Dems and I was like, you know, I'm thinking about running against this guy. That man had been representing Gwinnett County for 16 years and Gwinnett Dems never heard his name before. <laughs> um, so I, I was like, you know, the least I can do is, and every time I went to vote, I thought, you know, people must just write their names in because I never see anybody knock on my door and I never see any well, no local people, um, billboards, anything. I never, I mean, no one knew this guy who, who represented us for 16 years, no one. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna write my name in. I'm, I'm gonna give him, I'm just gonna at least give him some competition, which is something I'd never seen before. I never saw anyone in those positions. Uh, it, it just seemed like they ran um, uncontested every single time. And cause I remember I used to sign my name in. I was just, you know, that was my, my, my moment of uh, protest, I was just gonna write my name in because I, I just didn't feel comfortable not having any, any choice. The only choice I had was to write somebody else's name in. So I did that. Um, and and um, I just, you know, I'm just gonna sign my name. I'm just gonna write my name in. Well, once I started getting into it and I signed up and I was like, God, this is not just gonna be write my name in. <laughs> I gotta raise <laughs> money. I gotta knock on doors. I gotta, that was, it was a huge, huge undertaking, but fortunately um, my staff at work was, has been since day one, very supportive. Awesome. Um, every, uh, they were supportive. They were all afraid though, um, particularly my parents, my mother just, she still thinks that, you know, I'm gonna be harmed in some way. Um, but my family, uh, my staff, my community, everybody was just very, very supportive. John Ossoff and his mom, super, super supportive. Um, you know, before he was Senator, he came out here um, and did a fundraiser for me at Bonefish on Scenic Highway. 
and he Ubered out here. So I was like, this is, I didn't even know we had Ubering when I <laughs> Gwinnett County he was you know everything just kind of fell into place and um I had I had a uh, I had a primary opponent in 20 had a documented really bad domestic violence history nobody reported on that Gwinnett Daily Post did not report I sent them a copy of his case file wow nobody reported on it um I think uh I, I still believe that the only, all of the things that you see on the news that you think that shouldn't have never made the news. This is a guy who's running to be your state representative with a family violence history. Yeah. And you did not, you didn't, there, I mean, there was no mention of it. So um, I, I, I believe that there were people who just wanted to see um, us use our resources against each other so that we would be weakened for the, um, for the general election. And um, that didn't happen. Um, I won the primary by 80% and I won the uh, general by um, 17, almost 18%. Outstanding, outstanding. Um, yeah, so that's how, I, that's how I, uh, I, I got in. That's how you got in, that's how you get here. And, and I think, you know, it bears noting that you decided to step out on faith you decided to go against the grain. I mean, we live in Gwinnett County, and I just want to repeat that we live in Gwinnett County. And your, <laughs> you know, your 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 friends, your yes. family, all of that concern, continued concern, is justified. And mm. but we both know that there are people mm -hmm. on the other side of the ideological divide who are well-meaning. They are decent people. They're not evil. It's just our words divide us, pull us apart. But the main thing we wish for them to understand is that you just told a story about your experience and your fears and your concerns. And we would have to ask, you guys really want us to have to go through that type of situation to, to live our lives in such a manner? You decided to step out and step up, step out and serve. You don't deserve to be threatened, mm -hmm. to be strategized around, to be castigated. Some of the things that are happening in our county now that we will definitely want to get into in our state deserve critical consideration. Mm -hmm. And we have to look beyond what we see on the surface. And that's just what you were saying, right? Someone decided to put a guy against you who beat his family. That makes no sense. It's unconscious. Beat his family. That is absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yet you, you're going to pose this as a justifiable candidate. And you anticipate that some people will vote for this person. How callous can you be? And those are the things that exactly. I have to continue to highlight and talk about because in transparency and sincerity, hopefully we'll get to the heart of people and they'll realize that the things that we're doing now against each other, they make no sense. They make no sense at yes, all. Yes, absolutely. And um, and I'll and I'll be candid, you know, at during my time at the Capitol, um, I have thought that some people are evil. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you know, they, some of the things that that come up like, um, even like that, you know, I'm sure we're gonna get to it at some point, but the voter suppression law, I, th I thought, you know, it, it's hard not to think that the people who voted yes for this weren't e doing it for evil intent. You just, there's just, there's no other, there's no other ex explanation for it. Um, yeah. Why would, why? Just some of the things, um, the bill that was passed to uh, where you cannot, you by law cannot reduce the police um, budget by more than ten percent. Why? Why? Why else would you 
A, draft that, and B, vote for it. Yeah, I got you. So there's, so, so there's Shelly putting the lie to myself <laughs> not, not being evil over there, folks. Let's just put that out there. But, but, but to yeah, your point, we, some people but, are. Because some people are. Because some people are. And <laughs> what I think we need to really think about in that regard is, so you guys are out here and you're voting for this guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy does some things that, for all intents and purposes, the results of his actions do evil to others. That's the story that needs to be really shared. So we're all living in this county. You guys are supporting that guy. I'm supporting Shelly. I'm telling you, I don't want evil for any of us, but the guy you supported is going to do something that will physically harm me. Mm-hmm. Putting in something that will do me and mine harm. And I live mm-hmm. next to you, I'm your neighbor. Do we not love yep. our neighbor or not? I, th- that is the question that has to be asked. And that gets to the root of the evil. So we can really have common understanding. I would never want to do that to you. So why would you right. enable a person to do that to me? Absolutely. And, you know, when and when you bring faith into it, you know, what are you learning? <laughs> what are you at the, at the Capitol? People are surprised that we have a preacher of the day every single day, every day. Now we can, we can talk about, you know, the implications of that. Not that I'm anti-religion or anything, but there are, there's only, there's only a handful of people that, that pick which preachers we listen to every morning. So you don't, we don't have any, any, uh, anybody from the mosque there. I've never seen a rabbi there. Um, I brought the first priest there um, that I'd seen since I've been there. Um, So there's just, there's a very, there's the same message every day. And I listen, are you listening? I mean, are we reading the same thing? Because the things that you're doing are not getting you to the pearly gates. You're going in a different direction. So So do you really think when you, when your actions get weighed that you really did, right? Because we, we, what we really want to understand, right? And Shelly, I think you'll totally agree with this. In, in, the, in the halls and confines of power, with people who are doing this to us and to themselves, their fear is that our actions, our elevation, we're attacking the very foundations of the power structure, what's mm-hmm. been in place for generations. And there's a very real concern, which of course in our county, a lot of folks are feeling right now that, well, here come the people of color. We used to just yeah. say that they would say, here come the black folk. Or when no one's looking or listening and there wasn't a phone anywhere near, they might just go, here come the N-words. Yep. And those Absolutely. people are gonna tear the county up. They don't know how to make cheeseburgers, let alone pass <laughs> laws. You know, they don't yep. speak our language. They have no grammar. They have no grace. I'm moving mm-hmm. to Forsyth. And of yep. course, the unfortunate thing about that is they go to Forsyth and then all of a sudden they look around, well, wait a minute, here they are too. They followed us. <laughs> we need to understand. So then you're going to go to Cherokee. Oh, guess what? Hello. <laughs> yeah. North, you can go south. The country is changing. Can't escape it. Yep. Yeah. Bottom line. Can't change it. So let's take it back. So let's take it back because we, we could go ahead and dive through the currency. But I, again, I want to give you the opportunity to really share yourself and how you got to this point. So I want to go back to you've been elevated. You've got the office. It's the it's the capital. Yeah. State of Georgia. Yeah. State of Georgia. Yeah. You're a woman of yes. color. You walk in. Well, what I want to hear about is what was it like when you first went there? And give us some anecdotes from that first that first session. Because I'm quite sure you've got interesting. 
So, I, you know, I'm a social worker. I am a nurturer. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I went, I'm going to go. My honest intent was to go and reach across the aisle and bridge this divide, right? So um, the first thing I did, this is, this is my first antidote that, that let me know I was in trouble. So um, my, my, I am from Louisiana, New Orleans. My husband is from here. Um, we cannot discuss any form of football, period. Not yeah. college, not professional, <laughs> nothing. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I graduated undergrad from LSU. I graduated grad school from UGA. So, mm. you know, don't burn anything in my yard. But um, <laughs> we were, uh, we, we could, just couldn't, we knew I've been, I, this year is our 25th wedding anniversary. So we've known this for a long time. Um, but so when Atlanta said, we're going to have soccer, we, you know, both of our kids are play soccer. We're, we're big soccer fans. We signed up for, um, season tickets for Atlanta United before they had a name. Wow. So we've, we big, big Atlanta United fans. And that year, well, I, when people ask me, what's the first thing I'm gonna do when I'm in an office? And I said, you know, probably not much on the first day, but, um, I'm going to do Atlanta United day. This was before they won the MLS cup. So, so I was elected November, 2018. They won the cup December, 2018. So when I got there, I was sworn in in January, 2019. I was like, all right, Atlanta United day. Well, there were two, um, there were two Republicans that were already working on it because they won the cup. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to bridge the gap. We're going to reach across the aisle. So, um, right. So there were two bills. There was Atlanta United day and there was Atlanta United license plate bill. So we did Atlanta United Day, great, perfect, no nothing, no no problems. For the license plate bill, um, and I don't think he'll mind me using his name. Brett Harrell was the state representative, and he did he doesn't like license plates, like he doesn't like the concept of vanity plates. I don't I don't know why he just didn't. And he said, "I'm going to let you carry that bill in the house." I was like, "Great, this is my first bill, Atlanta license plate bill." So. Um, Two days before the vote, the lobbyist for Atlanta United pulled me out and said, I've made, this is a direct quote, I have made the executive decision that a freshman from the minority party cannot get a license plate bill passed. So I'm taking it from you and giving it to a Republican. Oh, oh, oh. So, wow. yeah. So um, he got a lot of choice words from me that uh, spread real easily. Everybody's like, we just heard you cussed out a, a, a lobbyist. I certainly did. Yep, I did. Um, that was my first, and I did not realize at that moment that Democrats are not allowed to do anything, wow. nothing, not pass a bill, not chair a committee, not nothing. Wow. So I was incensed because I was new I did not, I didn't know we weren't allowed to like do anything at all. Um, so everybody else is like, why is she so upset? Well, I didn't know that this was such a incestuous <laughs> process. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. And, and that's ridiculous because the person that he took this bill from me and gave to never bought a ticket to Atlanta United game. <laughs> Ever. She went one time and somebody gave her the ticket. That's what she told me. So the person that just, 
it says a lot. I mean, I I put money into this. Like, I, we put a significant. We have four season passes at, since day one. That's a the the you know the merch, the the, the food, the drinks. I put so let's, a, pause, I, let, let's let's pause on that one, Shirley, because I, I I we gotta unpack that real quick, right? Yeah. So so <laughs> here's the thing: you've got a, a state representative. Her family is invested in the sport. Mm-hmm. She and her family have season tickets. They're, they're fans. They're more than fans. They're active supporters. And active. since th- this entity is something that is awesome in our state, in our city, and you know it, and I've been saying this mo- more and more recently. We have to stop saying that there should be a division between politics and like work or necessarily the things that we do in our community because. The unfortunate truth is that politics seems to flow all through that. Even when we have separation of church and state, politics keeps finding its way into it. You just <laughs> yeah. talked about it. What's happening yeah. with yep. the folks who do the prayer, that's politics. So we gotta unpack this, right? You had an opportunity as a mm-hmm. freshman representative to go ahead and push a bill out. And that would have been a, a great thing for you to do. It, it would have said a lot mm-hmm. from the uh, standpoint of, again, HDA just, Closing the ideological divide that a Republican, whatever, doesn't like license plates or or, or something like that, right? He, we don't know why he mm-hmm. doesn't like it. But he said, you know, I'm right. going to give you, you. You take that. Mm-hmm. Now, even as I hear that, I'm thinking since he's seasoned, I don't know why he did that, just hearing what you said, but whatever. Um, everybody else yeah. on the old dome understands the tried and true agent structure of how the place works and you guys are minorities and you will know power. And even though you love, you love MLS, you love Atlanta United, you're the proponent, you're standing up, speaking forward, you want to rep the city and rep the team and go and do a good thing. It's a good thing. They ripped it from you because of the optics, because of the politics, because it's just not a good look for this black female representative that is a member of a downcast party to do this or Anything else under the gold dome? Yeah, that, that is true. Accurate unpacking of the situation, it, and I think that's pretty very good. accurate. And it it's has horrible. it's horrible. It, it is it it's it's horrible. Um, I, and since then, because because that was my first experience, I've just now I'm sensitive to who who passes what. Yeah. Um, who's allowed to pass things? Um, here's you know. Trey Kelly, and everyone can Google this. He is the minority. He's the majority whip for uh, the Republican caucus in the House. If you Google him right now, he is under indictment for leaving someone to die in a ditch in his county. Um, he is he is under indictment right now. But go on his website and see how much he's passed this year. He is on the rules committee, which is the most powerful committee at the Capitol. And I don't mind saying this, you know why? I'm not losing anything. I don't have anything. I don't pass anything because I am from the minority party. I didn't leave anybody to die in a ditch. I'm not under indictment. I tried to pass a bill that updates our mental health manual in Georgia code about the most boring bill anyone can possibly think of has zero downsides, has no political implications at all. It did not pass. 
Wow. Because, and I was told this, because I voted against the, um, the supplemental budget. I voted against the supplemental budget because we have not expanded Medicaid. We do not, you can expand Medicaid, you can call it, you can call it JoJo's insurance. People don't have it. And unless people have it, I'm not voting for it. And the supplemental budget also had a deep, deep cuts to everything because it was right after COVID. So, and, and clear this this is not the supplemental budget was not on the edge it was gonna pass one way or the other my vote was my personal objection to people in georgia not having enough uh of health care i was told i was told that that was why my bill about the dsm-5 which no affects no one but me personally, because that's my profession, was not passed because I'm on a blacklist for voting against the budget. Now, you can mm. say I, I voted against the budget. You can say I'm an Atlanta United fan. You can say I'm a, I'm a Democrat. One way or the other, they weren't gonna pass it anyway. Yeah. But that just shows you how much power we have. When we talked about um, flipping the house, we were serious. We had to flip the house or we can't get anything done. And that's exactly what happened. We weren't able to flip the house. We made tremendous strides any, everywhere else, um, but we weren't able to flip the house and uh, we didn't come close. So therefore we, didn't, we had very little power to yield. The only power we had this year that really made a significant difference is sports betting. Sports betting and gambling. Um, I am for that. I signed on to that bill and I'll tell, you know, people's like, well, your mental health, what about mental health, what about addiction? If you're an addict, whether you have casinos, sports betting available to you, scratch off lottery tickets. If you're an addict, none of that's going to matter. (laughs) You're going to get it one way or the other. With with that bill, it also had money to address addiction in general. So it was a win-win, but, and they needed us because not all Republicans were for this. That makes sense. So they needed the Democrats this time. And we were going to give it to them. We, we had, there were two Democrats that signed onto that bill. We would have given it to them. But then they passed the uh, voter suppression bill. And we were like, nope. If this is all the power we have, we're going to use it right now. Yeah. Because you have to know that you can't do this. You, you just, you, you can't do this unchecked. So they got checked. And I, and I can't knock you for that at all, because I'm right there in line with you in terms of gambling. And, and again, those are critical thinking things to me. You know, when folks mm-hmm. talk about, well, you know, you don't want this thing which, that's going to, from a, from a state level, a policy level, support gambling. What, what about the addicts? And my whole thing is just like you say, well, what about them? What about if, them? Think if it generates more revenue, they can go into a program to help them? That's a right. Thing because they're going to gamble if they're going to want to gamble. Exactly. You can't legislate that kind of behavior one mm-hmm. way or the other. But what you can yep. do is put something in place that might generate more revenue to actually mm-hmm. help in total. That would be a great yep. thing. But Absolutely. to your point, and, and I think you've described it where outside looking in, we might call it kindergarten. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, you gotta, you know, he it's... did that, she did that. Well, I'm not gonna do this because they did that. And Absolutely. I think the only way we can change it, to your point, I was I, I remember this year in, in where where are we on time? Yeah, we we let's let's bring it forward, right? Um, I was right there with you guys. You know, we need we needed to flip it or nothing's going to happen. And we know mm-hmm. we have a strong fear of what's coming up. 
because they still retain power, right? And to your point, we didn't do it. And folks don't get it. They just don't understand. And things like what you just shared, that anecdote, Shirley, I think we need to, we gotta figure out how to magnify that. There's, if there's one thing I found, and again, thanks to our friend, I've been brought back out into this. So I've gone to a couple of local meetings and whatnot. Yep. And I am fascinated by what I see. I am fascinated by what I hear. I am, yep. in many respects, I'm mind blown by just how it all works. Or, or can I say doesn't work? Um, yeah. Doesn't work. Doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, I'm like- It works for a handful of people. Yes, yes. And that's something that I think lay people need to understand no matter what party you're in, mm -hmm. these structures are in place. And if you yep. want to change things or move things, you got to get up out the seat, off the sofa, out the door and do something about it, damn it. Mm -hmm. You got to get knowledge. Absolutely. You got to know. Folks need to know that these are your experiences under the gold dome and that people want to be vindictive with you and put you on a blacklist. This is not a, a, a television show. Um, mm -mm. You know, it feels it, like it. <laughs> and, and, and it looks like it. You know, reality TV going wild, but these things have real world implications. You want to expand Medicare? Nope. Nope. Mm -mm. You know, and you know, why? And, you know, why do you not want to do that? Why? The only reason is because it's called Obamacare. Exactly. That's the only reason because common sense, um, uh, financially, uh, ethically, it's there's no, I mean, the only thing they can say is we're going to have to maintain this ongoing. Well, we'll have to maintain that, but we'll also have all of our hospitals reopen. That will generate jobs and we'll have people in a position where we can support this uh, long term. This has happened in every other state. I'm from Louisiana. Louisiana did this already. How did Louisiana beat us? They never beat us at anything. <laughs> anything ever but they beat us to there and and you know they're better off for it and you know we but you called it you called it chill you called and that's where i think the critical messaging has to come into play we gotta i mean and, and i've been real basic about this i've even said it to some folks locally as i'm getting engaged again over time what wisdom has shown to me is that we're simplistic creatures when it comes down mm -hmm. to messaging which is why the folks on the other side I've always been so much better at like monosyllabic mm -hmm. uh, messages, yes. things that have no more than two or three sentences in it and everything yep. has America on top of it. I'm like, yep. well, we need to stop trying to be so intellectual about it and do some of the mm -hmm. same damn things. Cause I'm an American in case you didn't know. Yeah, and I know. These matter. They matter to me and they matter. they matter to you. But like my friend down in, in Auburn, Jared, who says he will stay in Auburn forever and he's made <laughs> friends across the divide and whatnot, but he's a person of color and he said, they say it almost is like talking about Dixie, never a Democrat, mm -hmm. never a Democrat. I'm like, well, Jay, what does that mean? That means never a Democrat. What, don't you understand? I'm like, but, but it has to be the policy, right? Nobody cares about policy. They don't care about- Nobody policy. knows the policy. They don't, they don't know the policy. They don't know that the benefit that they're getting is Obamacare. And oh, by mm -hmm. the way, the idea was started by a Republican. Yep, but, it sure was. It's got Obama on it now. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. That's communist, fascistic, socialism all mixed into one. <laughs> Can't have it. Can't have it. Yes, yes. Got to take the messaging and share the stories. So that, I, you yeah. know, and, and to me, I'll tell you this. I saw a commercial this morning. And like I said, let, let's bring it forward because we want to hear about your experiences this year. But, you know, SB202. And I was listening to NPR the other day and I can't, you know, it's staring in the other guy. He, he seems like a nice guy, but I forget his name. 
But he uh, basically said that I think the Democrats will have an unfortunate surprise when it comes down to it, because they'll realize that there's nothing wrong with this law. And this law is really good for the state of Georgia. And that's going to hurt the Democrats' chances in terms of moving forward. But I'm sitting there listening to the radio and I'm like, it's great to hear that and be real civil and understanding and whatnot. And he's saying the fact that we call it Jim Crow evolved and it's voter suppression is going to hurt us. But I'm always going back to the critical thing of, again, it has to be critical thinking. Why did you guys feel the need to pass the law in the first place? I mean, exactly. some of you on record, we, we, we got you on record actually saying it. You're in the Gwinnett mm-hmm. Daily Post, the woman who runs the election board said it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, it. she did. We know why they passed the law, because it's about winning, it's about control, it's about power. And I saw this Mm -hmm. nice commercial this morning, Philly, and it said, the law is great. You need to make sure that you tell your elected officials that this will help Georgia, that it will secure our elections, that it'll be easier to vote now more than ever before, in her nice tones, and and it was a silky voice, and then the the commercial was so soft and inviting. And the first thing I said was, Where's the opposing commercial? Because exactly. he's making voter suppression feel and sound like cotton candy, which it is not. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people are, um, I think people, when you talk about, you know, it, it doesn't make um, bringing people water illegal. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and why would you do such a thing? Like, why? What is the purpose of that? What was, yeah. I mean, you know, are you afraid that the water says vote Democrat on it? Because that's already illegal. Already so why would you not, why would you not give somebody water who needs it? Like but, when you come to my house, whether you need water or not, I might add, I might offer it to you. Yeah. And that, you know, just because that's the, that's the Southern thing to do. Yeah. You and know, you just made that illegal? Yeah. And it, it's simple to me, you know, you, you can tell that from the optics and, and, you know, and I've told friends, you know, I take the Michelle Obama approach on this, which over the years has started to serve me better as a coach and mentor in corporate America when I've had folks who, who are trying to come and they're afraid to go talk to the guy in the corner. You know, um, people who have power are still regular people. They're not as mm-hmm. smart as you think. They do dumb Mm-mm. stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. if you're not careful, it will impact you and hurt and harm you. So always yeah. be critical thinking, never be afraid to confront or address or act upon because that might be an idiot trying to pass something over there. So never be scared. Absolutely. They clearly have made it made it a calculated, a calculated effort here that folks on one side of the divide are not as committed to the vote as those on the other. And even though their numbers are increasing, they're not going to stand in line in all of this if they're not fed or if they don't have some kind of sucker that they might, they might quit the game and give up. And that those on our side who have always been tried and true, well, all we got to do is we winnow their numbers down a few percentage points, because even behind everything that's happened, we know it was kind of a close thing. It really yeah. was a close thing. And numbers always matter, metrics moves the machine. But mm-hmm. I think that's a bet they're making, and they don't care that it may harm their people, too, because they have an aging electorate, yep. and they may want water, too. And they yep. would want someone to bring them a sandwich. But their bet is, more of us will quit before more of they th- their side will. And it shouldn't be like that at all. It should be about ideas and who right. the best idea and everybody get in line and, and, and vote your critical thinking conscience. I just think it's horrible. But uh, so again, yeah, and I, 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 yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, 
So um, that the commercial that she's, I haven't heard it, but um, it kind of fits in what their game plan is. So uh, what they did is, so because of COVID, our secretary of state, um, and I'm not, I'm not quite putting him in a pedestal. I'm just saying that he did his job and he recognized we're in a situation. So let's um, put up drop boxes and let's do this by mail and let's, you know, cause he had a job to do. And I think um, he was doing that to do his job, not thinking it through all the way down the line, like um, some of his colleagues were saying, oh, if you do this, more of them will vote. And because that's their end game. His end game at the time was I'm the secretary of state and I have to get people out to vote. And this is how we're gonna do it out, you know, because of COVID. Yep. Um, and I th- his, his colleagues say, oh, you know, oh, uh-oh, we voted for Biden. We voted for two Democratic senators. Something has to happen. So they, so let's say um, there was there was no law about drop boxes. So now we're gonna we're gonna give you something, and we're gonna mandate at least one in your county. We had thirty. Yeah. You're gonna mandate one. one. So that that takes out, away the other twenty nine. And we have to hope that the people that are in charge will say, okay, having 30 is going to be a good idea. We're going to keep it that way, but they don't have to anymore. Yeah. We can, you know, we could theoretically be just looking at one. The same thing with the days that are, that uh, were open and the hours, there was nothing that said we had to be open these many days or these many hours, but we're going to mandate that we're open nine to five. What if we have a, a job that's nine to five? Mm-hmm. When do we vote? Yeah. Well, that's on you. So yeah, this, I mean, they are, they have, if they believe that commercial, they've won because that was the, that was the whole point. They just took away everything that we had before because we could have done it. Now we can't do it by law. Yeah. You know, we're mandating one, even though you had 30 before, but it wasn't in the law. So we're giving you something. You're not giving us anything. You just took away 90% of what we had. So, you know, you just, and if I, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have known that. So I don't blame anybody for not knowing that because you have to, you have to be really close up to see all yeah. the, the shadiness that happens because it's, it's, it's shady and it feels shady. And just to be, a, it, I, this is why, well, I think, you know, people who stay in it for a long time have developed the stomach for it. But yeah. if you don't, if you haven't, this is hard to take. It is hard. It, it eats at your soul. Um, it, so I, I, I could see why the burnout rate is high for politics. Absolutely. So that, that brings us forward because, like I said, I wanted to make sure we got to that before we ended our session here. And like, I, and I know you've got to run. Um, but we're, we're at that point. We were at that town hall, virtual town hall. And again, I, I got to be real honest with you, Shelly. I, I looked at you and you were like, look. <laughs> I am. I. I. I need to breathe. because <laughs> I almost can't take it. This was horrible. And then you know your 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 fellow uh, politicians were on there with you. And, I, and then, you know not not politicians. I want I want to switch that. I recently um, had a conversation with someone, and we were talking about the difference between politicians and statesmen. And I like to think that critical thinkers who take the time to serve, who want to elevate everybody despite party. Have to work within one party mode. You guys are aspiring to be better. 
Politician not yeah. has a negative connotation. It's got it because politicians seem to do bad things. People who want yeah. to become statesmen tend to want to do just what's right. And, I like know, that. that. I'm going to be a statesman. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Please take that and run with that and share I that. I will take it. Your, 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 what you were saying that day, I was looking at you. I was like, she's struggling. She's struggling. I can understand why. I can see it's like you, you want to do the, the, the good thing. Like you said, those folks who are over there who are like really, they seem to be evil. <laughs> you know, we don't, I don't want to put the label on it, but you're like, you're looking at them like, what are you really doing that in, in my face? In my face, yeah. My, so tell us that you, you're under the gold dome. It's, it, it's this year before sign day and or up to, and you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Tell us what was going on. Reveal to us, give us the anecdote of the, those days. Um, it, you know, it's, it's every, well, this is my third session. So it's, it's been every session. It's every session, uh, you know, my colleagues have been there around says, this was the worst session ever. Mm. Well, I thought last session was the worst <laughs> session ever. And the one before that was the worst. It's, it, it gets worse and worse, you know, there were, um, colleagues have been there forever said it wasn't always this bad. It wasn't always this bad, um, but it's, it's, it's this bad. You know, the last, so the last um, probably three weeks of the session where tension was getting higher and higher and higher, um, <laughs> the only thing we have that we can do in the morning is uh, like morning announcements. They're called morning orders. Um, I, I do, um, my morning order a lot, most of the time is um, highlighting a child that's available for adoption in Georgia. Uh, but it's entirely up to the speaker who gets called for a morning order. So if you go back and look at the recordings of the sessions, how many Republicans versus Democrats were called to do morning orders in the last three weeks of session? I did not introduce a single child available for adoption in the last three, three weeks of session. Wow. The day that we had that mass murder of all the Asian Americans and their businesses, they would not allow the um, Asian American Democratic caucus members to make an announcement about that. Wow. They, our, our leader had to fight for it. To, just to get our Asian American members time at the podium to recognize their community members who'd fall in that day. So when you get down to that, where you can't even make an announcement about your community because you're a Democrat, that's as petty as it gets. That's as petty as it gets. There is a, there is a um, one of my colleagues lost her grandmother the last two weeks of session. And he did not call, call her to do an announcement to celebrate her grandmother. I was on the list to celebrate my grandmother for um, Women's History Month. My grandmother was um, a senior citizens Olympian. Wow. And if you go back and look, I mean, just go back and look at the announcements that were made. The speaker gives, um, I think 20 minutes. Well, it's up to him. He could do 20 minutes, he could do five minutes. But after, you know, people got it, did all of their soliloquies about how, you know, how wonderful our voter uh, suppression law is. And uh, I think they, somebody did like a history of Greece, like the country. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so you guys had to sit and listen through a history of Greece while Rome is burning, so to speak. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. 
so it, it is, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, we, you know, and I, it, I think uh, the pressure, not the pressure, but um, the guilt, I guess, is a better word. I fought to run for this, this seat. I fought for a seat at the table and I really don't have one. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's hard to come back and tell people I'm there and I'm fighting, but you're gonna have to take my word for that because I know it looks like I don't pass anything, but that's not because I'm not trying. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I voted against that voter suppression bill, but it still passed. It was the same thing with the heartbeat bill. You know, we fought hard against that. We fought against, we fought against their, um, their voting machines. The one that people were threatening yeah. my life for, uh, for allowing to happen in Georgia. I voted against those things. I wanted handmarked paper ballots, but it passed. Um, heartbeat bill passed, voter suppression passed yes. under my watch. So um, that's a hard thing when you, you know, when you are trying to do great things and you work so hard at it and people perceive that you have more power than you do. Cause um, even as a group, we don't have, we're not in the majority and only one set of ideas handles the, the governor's mansion, the house and the Senate in Georgia. And that means there's about five people who run the state and that's it. Wow. Cause, he, cause even, you know, even, state representatives in the minority, I mean, in the majority, they have to go through the speaker, the speaker and they have to, and the governor has to sign things and the Senate has to call their bills. So if you don't have all of those ducks in a row and they do right now, they have all of it, um, you get nothing. Right. You get nothing. Wow. So when we talk about that, right, um, Speaker Ralston uh, has no concerns. I don't think um, Brian Kemp does. Uh, I, he, I don't know if he has any concerns around Vernon running against him. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think he kind of does. I think. I think. Um, so uh, here's my thought about that. So um, Kemp has a problem with Trump supporters. They don't like him. Yep. They like Vernon. Um, he it, Trump has not endorsed Vernon yet, but he will. Oh. Wow. Um, yeah, he will. He said, I think um, there was a video of him. Uh, I think Vernon was at Mar-a-Lago and the president was like, ex, the ex-president said, when are you announcing? Yeah, like, that's so true. I, I, I remember that. I just, I, I, I was guessing, I don't know how serious he was about it, but I guess you're right. Cause you know, if yeah, he, he hates Kemp with a passion. He does. You know? and, and Vernon, and, unfortunately, in my opinion, might be wrong. I think him and Trump are perhaps cut from a similar cloth. Um, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Vernon was, I, we, I shared a suite with Vernon up until they left. They are cut of the same cloth. <laughs> we don't need to go into details. <laughs> Just say, say, yeah, that, that, that's what that is. And that, that is off the chain. But yeah, um, I remember when I was elected, um, my husband came to the, to swearing in and Vernon was two seats down for me. And he had something really negative to say to my husband that people don't even need to know. But um, my husband said, I thought he was in jail. <laughs> I said, I, I did too. But, <laughs> um, but he's um, not pleasant to work with either. So uh, he's, but right now he's a, he is, you know, he was a, um, He's a, he's a bigger fish in a smaller pond yeah. right now. 
Got and it. that will that will make him more money than being a Democrat. So that's where you know that that if you know his history, that just that just falls into who he is. It's the pursuit of power. But mm -hmm. I think what's real critical, again, critical thinking and action, and I'm I'm always trying to find out, you know, me personally, right? And take what I've been trying to do and replicate that. I see the crack at the top. Ralston doesn't have a concern. What's coming up is redistricting. Folks mm -hmm. need to understand that what is happening right now with all this ugliness is again, the maintenance of a foundation and the pursuit of power. That's what they want to do. And we lose in that equation. But what it comes down to is we got your back, you know, but it, it has to be more than that because we need to understand what we can do in order to help you because we got to soon get to a point, Sheila, where you can pass something. And we all know what that requires, <laughs> but it's yeah. getting ready to be even harder than it was before, unless something yeah. gives or something breaks. So when you guys are all talking and you're discussing and you're thinking, can you show, what do you want me to do? What would you wish more of your constituency was doing? Just share that with the crowd. Tell us, you know, Derek, get up off your ass and what? I think, um, well, I, I, I think not everyone is paying attention to local races, just like you said. And local races mean a lot. And in some cases, they mean more than the presidency, particularly in Georgia. When we're talking about stuff that is happening at a local level, you know, we, yeah, we voted for, you know, we, we, we flipped Georgia at a state level, but we did not, we didn't do the same thing at local levels. Yes. So, a, you know, in Georgia, because we have zero power, they can pass things like the voter suppression law. Um, the voter suppression law actually could have been a lot worse and was a lot worse. Uh, we do have the uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, protested. He wasn't even gonna preside over the one of the original versions. So uh, we have that to thank for. Um, he did uh, vote for the, the current one, which is better, but still bad. Um, so you know, we right now we're at the mercy of one person um, having a you know a conflict of, of conscience and and doing the right thing, but we can't rely on that to happen because we still had bad things that passed this year, um, a lot of bad things. Um, the the um, the thing about uh, reducing the the police salary, you know, we have someone who is convicted of murder this week for putting his, uh, for killing George Floyd with his knee on his neck. Um, you know, some of the videos, mo a lot of people still can't watch that. Um, it, you know, as a mental health professional, if you have any form of PTSD um, and you may not even know you do, that is gonna trigger you. That is going to trigger you. Um, any, any type of trauma that involved any kind of death at all. So watch that George Floyd video. That's, that's hard. Right. Um, and we, we celebrated the fact that we finally got someone to, to be accountable. That's not justice for George Floyd because he's still dead. Yeah. That's not justice for his family. That's not justice for his daughter. That is accountability. And that's two different things. Um, so this is the start of something. This, that just tells us that we have, and, and it just this week, this, this month, it just, it, it, it dawned on me that we wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for cell phones. 
Yeah, if it wasn't for everyone having a camera on their phone, we would we would still be having lynchings. Absolutely. And if you don't think George Floyd was lynched, he was lynched. He was lynched. He was lynched. So um, you know, when you're lynched, you don't have the um, the opportunity to have a trial of your peers. And when you have a 13 year old who died because the police officer thought it was a taser that she pulled out of her, come on, come on, come on. I mean, even Pat Robertson was like, that's ridiculous. I yeah, mean, you can't he, tell he, the difference between the way a gun feels and a He and got a on taser. TV and, and held it up. Yes, like, okay, absolutely. That's yeah, that's I mean, we, we are, uh, you know, and uh, we, this is every day. We've had a mass murder yeah. or someone die at the hand of police every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, but we can't ask. For anyone to get trained before they handle it, had to go through to drive a car because yeah. that's a deadly weapon. It's a deadly and weapon. And we can't require not one training class, not one. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I am, I am a statesman and I don't understand it. Absolutely. I don't understand it. I mean, you know, I, I never had guns in my house until I heard Trump tell people to stand back and stand by. Mm. We have two now. I hear that. And we all, we went to class. We went to a four hour train. Everyone in my household went to a four hour training. We've been to the gun range. We practice. We know, you know, you don't, the guns don't come out unless we're practicing or, or somebody's in the house. Right. And fortunately, no one's been in the house. Yeah. So the only time we take them out is to practice and when we bought them. So everyone, we know, we know you don't shoot a gun in the air because what goes up comes down. Yeah. We, we've been trained. And I didn't know that until I took all those, took the classes. Why can't we, why can't we? require people to take a class when we I, I paid at least a thousand dollars for driving classes insurance went for my kids to park at high school they had to take a parking class that was not free why can't we require any education about I'm not saying take away your guns because you're not going to take away mine why can't we require anybody to take a class about that Maybe they don't know if you shoot a gun in the air on New Year's Eve that it's going to come yeah. down and hurt somebody. Yeah, you know that's it's it it just I just I don't know. So I'm I'm still the there. Yeah, it boggles the mind, and it's it, and it's it is hard. Um, I'm committed, and I'll be here, and I'll continue to fight. But man, they don't make it easy. I got you. I got you. Well, you know, Shelly, even as you're laying all that out, what becomes clear to me is <laughs> what really needs to happen. You know, because I like to look at it like we do know what needs to be done. It's just, we get mm -hmm. so flummoxed and, and, and pissed off, frankly, because mm -hmm. we don't seem to want to apply common sense to things that separate us from an ideological standpoint. Licensing, training, and hell, even as you were talking about it, some kind of mode of insurance or some kind of other medium applied to that, that, that mm -hmm. ownership dimension is something that, be, that can be considered. Um, I've been around guns since I was a child, but again, to your point, it sh you should, if you're going to do a thing, you need to be trained in the thing and you need to be re-upped on yeah. it over a certain amount of time. You can't drive a car without a license and the license right. requires you to be trained to some degree. You know, you got to pass mm -hmm. a test. Gun ownership should be the same. Well, we know on the yep. other side of the divide, the, the message that is being sold is that that's always the first step 
to removing your Second Amendment rights. And what becomes plain to me again is hearing all the things you just highlighted, it's a messaging thing. Yeah. It's a marketing it thing. It's a propaganda thing. And I it think that's is. where we need to spend some time and some money sharing stories, anecdotes from under the gold yep. dome, where you have people <laughs> who want to be statesmen and people who are tried and true politicians who do mm-hmm. incredible, incredible things. Like I remember a few years back, one of the guys was a lawyer and he just, he doesn't do his job, right? Instead, mm-hmm. he, and I can't remember the guy's name and I don't think I want to say it if, even if I could, he was on WSB enough, but they kept talking about how this prominent politician was really, you know, moving and shaking. And let's be quite honest, he was making a living in, in advancing mm-hmm. his personal wealth at the expense of doing his job for his clients. Because if yep. I recall correctly, he had a few clients that were not having their day in court because he refused to show up. He kept extending yep. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kept extending it. Yep. And, and yeah, you're talking about we got another guy that's currently under indictment, politician, not a state. Yep. Here you are, folks are trying to eat at your soul because you want everyone to have Medicaid, but somehow that's just wrong. And that's what's evil when what's really evil is your inability to want to open up more hospitals. We got to share the message. We got to get the word out and folks just need to know more. That seems to be the, that's, that's the panacea. I think that we got to have for this thing. Well, Shelly, I I have to say that in Gwinnett County, I I think um, I've seen a lot of people get more active and are, are more um, attuned Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and uh, and I think that's why we're seeing the change in uh, leadership in Gwinnett County is because people are paying more attention to what happens. Um, you can't just you know say out loud uh, disparage uh, Congressman Lewis or you won't have a job because that person doesn't have a job anymore. Absolutely. So um, yeah, we are paying more attention, I, and I think that that is um, I think that's growing, not growing fast enough for my taste, but. Yeah. Um, I, I think it is, I think we're more attuned now that we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and we're talking more about voting, which is fabulous because in my opinion, you know, there are some communities that talked about voting and when to vote and, you know, what time are we voting versus are we going to vote? That's yeah. two different, that's two different things. Like, you know, what, what time are you going to go and vote versus do you think we should vote this time? it's not an option it just is it, it you have to vote and you have to vote for people who think like you you know if you if you think that um the hospital that went out of business this year should have stayed open and we should expand medicaid then vote for people who believe that because when a hospital folds think about all of the staff that folds with it and all the supporting businesses because when a doctor goes to his office he's got to go to lunch and that's a business that's not going to get that biz- that that lunch business because there's nobody to to take a lunch now. So you know this is that's a devastating thing for a community. Not to mention where are you going to go to the doctor now? Because you know if you're having an aneurysm and you got to drive thirty minutes, then that's not going to work out. That's not so um, it's 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 they have so many ripple effects that we have to think through and we have to pay attention and we have to be more involved. You know I've. I'm as involved as involved as I can be, but I can always do more. Um, you know, you have people running for statewide office. I don't have the stomach to do that right now, um, but I will support my my friends who are doing it because right now they have they have more in them than I can do. So um, 
we, we have to lean on each other when we can and when we can't. You're absolutely right. And as you are an ever aspiring statesman, Shelly, I, I just want to go ahead and, and say on the record that, you know, you've got, I've got your back, you know, you have my support and I will- I appreciate that more than you know. <laughs> and, you know, I think one thing that's really critical is as you said, we can only lean on each other. There are a lot of you that are leaning on each other that are in positions of power right now. And even as you say, you don't have the stomach or the, the energy to push a little harder across certain lines. I think the, the reason that is and how we can help is we gotta be there to bolster you. So there are a bunch of us out here that we, we don't have an office, but to, to your point, our conversations are shifting and we have to accelerate mm -hmm. that activity. We've got yeah. to be willing to show up and if necessary, show out. And yeah. I think more than anything that will help energize you guys and give you the, the positivity you need to continue to stay in the fight because you guys can't do it alone. And we've got to keep we sure can. <laughs> they work together to, to get it done. And I promise you, at least here in the Brown household, we're going to do that. That's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take all the support. I will take all the support. <laughs> well, Silly, and I really so appreciate much. it. Yes. One more final word that you want to share here on that Just Anything else you want to say to close us out? Um, Atlanta United game starts uh, this Saturday and I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Go Atlanta United. That sounds like a plan. Shelly, hopefully you'll come back soon. I will. All right. Thank Absolute you for having pleasure. me. Thank you. We need context. We need story. We need understanding. This is no game. How do we do it? How do we get it? We need to do the work of ensuring officials address the real problem. We have to lean deep, get ourselves acclimated understand the topics go deep it's not about the systems the fabrications it's the lies it's about the facts and what we are willing to do to address them to make the change we need to be plugged in remember all politics is local if we would stand behind Shelley Hutchinson then get engaged lean in understand what's happening locally and now more than ever before vote speak and vote your voice, yes, your voice, yours, truly does matter. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. So please like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at EtchTheEdges.com. Check us out. Join the movement. Express your commitment to the cause. Cause for a better America, a better world. Where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Do it for America. Do it for the world. Be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time. live in times of hard division. It affects us at home, in our schools, our places of worship, where we work, and painfully enough, it descends upon us in how we are governed. 
All this creates a culture of exclusion that is magnified by algorithms that beat down our ability to think critically, find common ground, and embrace inclusion. Our social well-being is under constant assault, and we are without question in crisis. Join us for a special series of seminars and learn how, with 3FE to FCT, we can do the hard work that's necessary. Find the courage to not hate and in time embrace real inclusion. And in elevating together, make all of us great. So please, on May 20th, the 24th, and the 25th, find out what does trust get us from 3FE to FCT. That's from finding, focusing, establishing a fundamental plan, and executing to establishing familiarity, comfort, and trust. From 3FE to FCT. Please join us on May 20th, the 24th, and the 25th for this special set of seminars. You can find out more at meetdsbrown.com events. That's meetdsbrown.com events. Come join us. Find out what the road to trust gets us. And together, let's do the hard work of closing the ideological divide.